We're starting a brand new series today called Dream Napkin, and I've been waiting to preach this for a long time, so here we go. 1931, 1931, it was a long, boring year. The stock market crash in 1929 had sent America into the Great Depression. Most businesses were struggling to stay alive, and one of those struggling businessmen was a man named Conrad Hilton. Americans weren't traveling, and Hilton's hotels were suffering so badly that he was having to borrow money from a bellhop to, to eat. And one day, Hilton came across a photograph of the Waldorf Astoria in New York City. The Waldorf is and was the holy grail of hotels. Six kitchens, 200 chefs, 500 waiters, and 2,000 Rooms. It even had its own private hospital and railroad. Looking back, Hilton said that 1931, I love this, was an outrageous time to dream. But the economic crisis didn't keep him from dreaming big. So here's what he did. Hilton clipped the photograph of the Waldorf out of the magazine and wrote across the top of it the greatest of them all, and then he placed the photograph under the glass on his desk. And so every time he sat down at his desk, his dream was staring him in the face. So nearly two decades come and go, and and America emerged from the Great Depression, entered into the, the Second World War, and Hilton just kept dreaming about the Waldorf. He tried a lot of times unsuccessfully to buy it, never worked out, until October 12th, 1949, for anybody keeping score at home, it's 18 years after cutting the picture out of the Waldorf, out of the magazine. And Hilton purchased 249,024 shares of the Waldorf Corporation and crowned his collection's a collection of hotels with what he calls the queen. So how did he do it? How how did a man coming through the Great Depression stick with a dream 18 years and finally accomplish it? Well, obviously, it goes without saying that it was through a lot of hard work and intelligence. But according to Hilton, it wasn't his ability that allowed him to capture his dream. It was God's ability. In the final section of Hilton's autobiography, he he titled it, Pray Consistently and Confidently. And and in that final section, he he gives a summary of his approach to business. Here it is. I'm going to give it to you. Ready? This is what Hilton says. He says, prayer is the hub that holds the whole will together. Without prayer, we are nothing. Hilton didn't just pay for the, the, the Waldorf. He, he prayed for it. And so today, we're, we're starting this brand new series called Dream Napkin. And, and maybe you're thinking to yourself, what is a dream napkin? Well, that's a great question, and, and I'm going to tell you, all right? So, so I believe that God has a dream for, for everyone in this room. 
that God has a dream for your life. Every one of you. No one's exempt. Every person sitting in this room, every person watching right now, God has a dream for your life. Even as I say that, like we just need to stay right here for a moment, because even if as, as I say that, some of you are like, not me. You, maybe person sitting beside me, my kids, maybe, not me. I, God doesn't have a dream for, for my life. He does. I actually believe that the closer you get to God, the more that his dream for your life comes alive. I believe that. I believe that if you spend enough time with him, that he will infect your heart with his dream for your life. The closer you get to God, the more you dream. And why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you dream more the more you get to know God? Because the more you get to know him, the more that you come in contact with the Holy Spirit that is living inside of you. So when Jesus begins changing your life, he gives you new dreams. Or maybe they're not new dreams. Maybe he brings old dreams back to life that you had given up on. I have four dreams named Sadie, Nora, Solomon, and Ezekiel. I've got another dream named Andrea. I've got another dream named Hope City Church. But all of those are just pieces. They're just, they're, just, they're just pieces of the dream that God has for my life. And God has dreams for your life too. He's got these pieces and he has a, he has a dream. Okay, so you get the dream part. All right, well, what about the napkin? Well, that's a cool story. So I was reading uh, this book earlier this year. The book's called Hero Maker. You probably don't need to read it. It's a church leadership book. It was fantastic, but I don't know that it necessarily applies to where you are. But I'm, I'm reading this book about church leadership with all this incredible information in it. But that's not really what captured my heart, all the information so much, as this story. So in the book, there's this story. Uh, the guy who wrote the book, his name's Dave Ferguson, and um, and he's telling this story about how one day he was having lunch with a friend of his, another church leader friend of his. And they were sitting at lunch together and they began to talk. And his friend said to him, Dave, what's your dream? What's your dream? And so Dave pulled out the napkin that, his, uh, that you were supposed to you know, sit your drink on, but he hadn't done that. He pulls the napkin over and he takes a pen and he begins to write out the dream that he felt like God had put in his part for the church that he has been leading for the past two decades. He held on to the napkin for 20 years. He still has it in his office. And when I read that, I thought, I want a dream napkin. <laughs> so here we are, okay? Dave calls it his dream napkin. I want a dream napkin. I think you should have a dream napkin. And so here, here we are, okay? Um, when you came in today, everyone was handed a napkin. Hopefully you have that. If not, we'll try to get you one before the service is over. Don't blow your nose with this, okay? Uh, don't, don't, don't use this for your coffee spill, all right? Hold on to it, because I'm going to tell you about this uh, at the end of service, and we'll make sure if you didn't get one, that by the end of the service, you get one on your way out, okay? For the next three weeks, which by the way, August is, they said this at the beginning, but August is... We're celebrating 10 years 
at Hope City Church uh, under the current leadership. That's not just my wife and I, that's uh, other leaders as well. But obviously, we kind of started the clock when uh, we became the pastors. The church is actually almost 100 years old, but it's kind of had a, a new life uh, this last decade. And so this, this month, we are celebrating uh, 10 years. And when I began to plan the series Dream Napkin, it was accidental, coincidental, godlike, that it, it, it happened in August because the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about God's dream for your life. But then on August 26th, that's our 10-year anniversary service uh, for, for our church under the current leadership. And I, that's going to give me the opportunity to share uh, some dreams, some new dreams that God uh, is putting in our heart for our church. So that worked out kind of beautifully the way that, that God does it. But for the next three weeks, before August 26th, we're going to be um, talking about God's great dream for your life. This series is about the incredible things that God wants to do in your life, but not just in your life, that the incredible things that God wants to do through your life. And can I just say one more time, that goes for every person in the room, every person. Now, what we're going to be doing for those three weeks is we're going to be reading the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis, because Joseph was a dreamer. And his story is going to to guide us as we learn about the power of a dream and the power of God in in our life. And so if you want to go ahead and find the story that we're going to be reading today, it's in Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39, if you have a Bible or it's on your phone, um, then you can can find that. And I also want to let you know that um, on our church app, what we're going to be doing for the next 21 days is we are going every day to be giving you a dream napkin devotion and a podcast. We've already recorded a bunch of them. And so if you have the church app, if not, you can download it on, on any of your devices. Just search Hope City Church Louisville in the App Store. Look for the blue and YH. But every day, or if you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, every day, a dream napkin devotion for the next 21 days is going to, to come up. Uh, in that. And uh, Pastor Joe and I did day one. We already put up day one. Day one officially starts tomorrow, but I wanted you to be able to find it. So when you pull up the church app, if you just click the second option there, it says Dream Napkin Devotion, uh, or again, the church website or the podcast feed. But we want you these 21 days to be inspired to dream. And so we want to help you along, along with that. Now, before we jump into the story today, I want to point out, be sure to point out that a dream is not the same thing as a wish. Okay, dreams are the same thing as a wish. I would be willing to bet that everyone in the room has, uh, has wishes, lots of wishes, right? I wish that I was skinnier. Come on, anybody wish you were skinnier? Me, come on. I wish that, uh, I, I wish that I was younger. I wish I had more money. I wish I was happy. I wish I had a different job. We all have, we all have wishes, but a wish is not the same thing as a, a, a dream. A wish is a feeling. A dream is a destination. A wish is a feeling. A dream is a destination. A wish starts with, I wish. A dream starts with, I will. Right? Martin Luther King Jr. didn't say, I wish that my four little children could live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin. No. He said, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Wish says, I wish. Dream says, I will. It's the difference between saying, I wish I was debt-free and saying, I will be debt-free. 
It's the difference between saying, I wish I was clean from this addiction, and instead saying, I will be clean from this addiction. Wishes come and go, but dreams haunt you. Dreams haunt you. As a matter of fact, if you have to remind yourself of your dream, it's not your dream. It's not. Because dreams won't go away. They annoyingly haunt you. They, 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 driving down the road, you're like, did I just run a red light? I'm, I don't know, I'm dreaming. I, 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 you're laying in bed trying to go to sleep, and, and, and there's that dream. You're, you're waking up in the morning, there, there's the dream. You're talking about stuff with friends. You, like, you, you're, every, every building you pass by is, is, is the dream. Every song is the dream, right? So what does this have to do with God, by the way? Because this is a great point to just kind of stop and talk about that. What does any of this have to do with God? Like, this is very motivational. It's very inspirational. Thank you. But, Jason, wait a second. Even people who don't follow God have dreams. I would hope so. I would hope. I think everybody needs a dream, and I, I would hope that that's true. The difference is that when we commit, those of us who have done this, when we commit our lives to follow Jesus Christ, we give him control of our life. So our life is not our life anymore. It belongs to God. He's driving the car. But that also means that now because we are following Jesus and have given control of our lives to him, we have access to his power. The Bible says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead, that's power, lives inside of us. And so when we give control of our lives to Jesus, we have access to his power. And God loves to give dreams to people. He gave Noah a dream to build a boat, Abraham a dream to start a family, Joseph a dream to be empowered, David a dream to, to be a king, to lead a people. And so we're taking three weeks to teach on dreams because it's more than just some self-help, motivational, feel-good stuff. I hope it makes you feel good, but it's more than that. Because we could leave church and go down to, to some restaurant and talk to people who don't follow Jesus about their dream, and there would be some takeaways for it, but it's different for those of us who follow Jesus. Because we have Christ's power living in us. This series is not just about dreams. It's about God and his power and his will and how he wants to use our life and your life for something significant. So we really are going to read the story, but let me just say one more thing. I just got to say one more thing, okay? I know that there are some of you in the room today who are listening to me and you're thinking, I'm going to take a break for the next three weeks because I don't have a dream. Matter of fact, not only do I not have a dream, my life is a nightmare. I used to have a dream two marriages ago, three kids ago, five jobs ago, two rehabs ago, three bankruptcies ago, whatever it is. I'm just thinking here. I don't have a dream. I, I understand, I recognize that sometimes the grind of life steals your dreams. I, I understand that, that, that the grind of life limits our brain and our mind, and, and the farthest that we can think is tomorrow. I just gotta, if, I could just get, if I could just get through tomorrow. If I could just wake up in the morning in time to get to work and just get through the day, I just want to get through the day. Is it, was it Wednesday? All right, come on. If I could just get to Friday, you know, then I'll, you know, I just, 
Man, if my car will just make it home today, if we could just get the car to the house without breaking down, like that would just be... If, if, if we could just get to bed tonight without fighting, like that would just be, you know, that would just be, man, that would be pretty amazing. And, and so the grind of life limits our mind, limits our heart, limits our thinking. And so we, we don't really think any farther than just what's right in front of us. I understand that. And for some of you, that's where you are right now. I completely get that. Jason, you're talking about dreams like, I'm just literally trying to make it to tomorrow. Well, my prayer and my hope is that these next three weeks, but especially today, that God would put his dream for your life in your heart. And if you don't hear anything else that I say, I want you to hear this. God's dream for your life is more than just a better version of your current life. Please, please hear that. Let me say it one more time, okay? That God's dream for your life is more than just a better version of your current life. So if you hate your job, don't raise your hand. God's dream for your life is more than just a better job. If you hate your marriage, please don't raise your hand. God's dream for your life is more than just a better marriage. It will get better. But, but, but God wants you to dream bigger. He wants you to dream bigger. So, so if you're here today and you're thinking, I don't have a dream, I got great news. It's found in Psalm 37.4. It says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Maybe you learned this as a kid. The verse said that God will give you the desires of your heart. Now, as a kid, maybe you thought, that's awesome because this is what I want, and the Bible says God will give me what I want, but that's not what the verse means. The verse does not mean that God will give you what you want. It means that God will give you what to want. You see the difference? So God doesn't give us the things we desire, he gives us our desires. Does that make sense to everybody? And so the good news is that if you're here and you say, I don't have a dream, God will give you something to desire that he wants you to desire. If you'll get close to him, keep spending time with him. Every time you open this book, it's just, it's just dreams, just dreams, dreams. Every time you pray, dreams, and God wants to do that. Okay, so um, I believe, I really do believe that, that today can be the beginning of God igniting your heart with a dream. And so we're going to start Genesis 30, 30, I said 39, huh? I meant 37, sorry. Okay, go back one page. Um, so Genesis 37, we're going to start at verse 3. It's about a guy named Joseph. His dad's named Jacob. This is what it says, G- Genesis 37, starting with verse It says, Jacob, that's his dad, loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe, but his brothers, he had 11 of them, hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream. Everybody say a dream. 
Now, I don't think it's a coincidence. It's not the point of the message today, but I don't think it's a coincidence that a a 17-year-old boy who knew that his father loved him dreamed dreams. I I just want to encourage every dad in the room that, like, the most important thing that you'll do is to make sure that your kids know that you love them because somebody who knows that they're loved by their father will dream dreams. Please hear that. And if you're here and and you're a single mom, you're like, well, they don't have a dad. God will do whatever God needs to do. Just make sure, like children who know their love dream dreams. So so that's that's not the point, but we keep going. All right, so um, so, so he, he dreamed a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in a field tying up bundles of grain. And suddenly, my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. Now, we're going to keep reading just a second, but I want to just point this out. Notice the punctuation at the end of that sentence right there. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles gathered around and bowed low before mine. Does everybody see that on the screen with the punctuation at the end of the word mine? Notice that? It's an exclamation point or mark. Exclamation point. Joseph was pumped. Okay? This is an exclamation mark. Okay? So Joseph is like, guys, I had a dream. We were out in the field, and everybody was bowing down to me. He is pumped, exclamation point, right? This is is that initial stage, that that inspirational stage, that enthusiastic stage. Joseph was sure he knew what God's plan for his life was, ruling over his brothers. He was confident. He knew God, you know what, guys, I had a dream, and God's going to use me for something big, guys, big, big, big. This, this is it. This is it. And, 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 and he was sure that his dream was so important and so big that his family would have to treat him with respect. Y'all going to have to treat me good now because God's going to do something big. Exclamation point. Okay? And everybody in here today, hopefully at some point, has had an exclamation point moment in your life or moments in your life. It's the first stage, that inspiration stage. It's when you imagine how many copies of the book will sell, okay? It's where you decorate the nursery in your mind. Baby's not even here. You're not even pregnant yet, but you're decorating the nursery. It's where you're cashing that first paycheck. You know, when we do that, we never take out taxes. You notice that? But anyway, that's says keep going. <laughs> the beginning stages of the dream is always seasons of exclamation points. And that's how they should be, by the way. Don't let anybody kill your enthusiasm for your dream. Let's keep reading. His brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? Does anybody notice the punctuation at the end of the brother's statement? It's a question mark. It was not an exclamation mark. It was a question mark. So Joseph has a dream and he is pumped, exclamation point, but he tells his brothers, and they don't have an exclamation point. They're not like, that's awesome, Joseph. They have a question mark. For real, bro? Seriously? Seriously? Let me just help somebody out in the room today. No one is going to be as excited about your dream as you are. Okay? As a matter of fact, if someone is more excited about your dream than you, it's probably not your dream, okay? Now, this is not the point of the message, but if you need, 
if you need everyone else to have exclamation points about your dreams, you're in trouble. Because most people will have question marks. You'll have exclamation points. They're going to have question marks. People who love you, people who care about you, your parents, teachers, brothers and sisters, best friends, spouses. I can't tell you how many times I've said to Andrea, I got an idea. She's like, really? (laughs) And she loves me, right? And so they're they're not going to have exclamation points. And if you need everybody to have an exclamation point for you to take a step of faith or to do something that matters or to chase your dream, you're never going to do anything because most people will have question marks. And then after you succeed, they'll say, I believed in you the whole time. I was with you the whole time. Like, really? Because I didn't, I mean, there was really nobody around, but okay. And so Joseph has an exclamation point. His brothers have a question mark. Let's keep reading. And they hated him all the more because of his dreams. Some people hate you because you have dreams for your life and they don't. We don't have time to go into the 11 brothers, but they, they just really kind of moved animals around. They didn't really have any aspirations, any hope for their life. And so when they got around somebody who did, they resented him. They were envious of him. They didn't like him. And so there, w- there will be some people that hate you because of your dreams. But look at the next sentence and the way he talked about them. So I think this is important to just clarify real quick because you do have some haters in life if we want to use that terminology because they're jealous of you or envious of you. There's probably a few of those. But it also may be true that people hate you because you're a jerk. Okay, so they didn't like the fact that he had a dream, but they also didn't like the way that he talked about them. And so, like, there may be people who, who, are, who are question marks in your life, not because they're against you. They just don't like the attitude that you're going about it. You don't have any humility. You're, you're, you're just a jerk, okay? You, you're not, you don't handle it well. God uses two types of people, humble people and those he humbles, all right? And so, and so... It may be true that some of the adversity that you're facing in your life, yes, it may be true that it has to do with people who, who, who have their own issues and that's their fault. But in my experience, most of the time, it's really your spirit and your attitude. And so one of the reasons they hated Joseph was because he was a punk about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, y'all gonna bow down. Yeah, yeah, y'all, why ain't y'all excited about my dream? Y'all gonna bow down to me. And they didn't like that. And so everyone who disagrees with you is not a hater. If if you have a free tuition to an in-state school and you tell your parents, like, no, I want to go to UCLA. And they're like, I don't think that's a good idea. That doesn't mean they're against you. It just means that they want to save you $100,000 of student loan debt. Maybe you're supposed to go. I don't know. But it doesn't mean that they hate you or are against you. You just don't have the right perspective, maybe. If you're like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take out a loan to get this awesome car, and one of your friends is like, I don't know if that's a great idea. doesn't mean they're against you. They just don't think it's a great idea. If you are getting in a relationship with somebody and people who love you and care about you are like, I don't think they're right for you, it doesn't mean that they're hating on you. It doesn't mean that they're against you. It just may mean that you're not thinking straight because you got an exclamation point and they got a question mark and they're trying to help you. Right? And so, and, and, and so perspective, humility is a huge part of the beginning stages. So let's recap real quick. So Joseph had a dream about wheat, and it, it involved his brothers bowing down to him. But he didn't have the right attitude. He didn't have the right spirit. 
And even though he was only 17, Joseph was kind of right. I don't know how well you know the story of Joseph. We don't have time to read it all today. But he was kind of right. He had, he had the pieces. If you have a Bible or you're on something, just flip over just a few pages. Genesis 42, 6. 14 years have gone by now. And this is what it says. It says, since Joseph was governor of all Egypt. A lot has transpired. We'll talk about that next week. And he was now in charge of selling grain, hello, to all the people. It was to him that his brothers came. They hadn't seen him for 14 years. We'll talk about it next week. And so the brothers arrived, and look what happened. They bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. So 14 years after Joseph has his dream about wheat and his brothers bowing down to him, his brothers need wheat and bow down to him. The dream came true, but for totally different reasons than Joseph thought they would come through. Joseph had the pieces of the dream right, but he didn't have the purpose of the dream right. When he was 17, he thought God's dream was about making him famous and important, but that wasn't God's dream dream for Joseph's life. God's dream for Joseph's life wasn't fame, importance, and power. We see, just flip, just like one more page. Genesis 45, 7. What? Five and seven. Joseph now with some perspective, a little bit of maturity, a ton of humility, says it was God, 45, verse 5, who sent me here ahead of you. It wasn't me, my intelligence, my good looks, my charm. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. The, this famine that has ravaged, nothing about the famine in the dream. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there'll be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. That was God's dream for Joseph's life. Joseph had the pieces. Well, there's, there's gonna, grain's gonna be involved. People bowing down to me are gonna be involved. He had that part right. But the purpose he didn't get it because he was thinking only about what his dream would do for him. But God said Joseph's dream was to save the lives of his family, not to rub his power in their face, but to save their lives. It wasn't about being powerful. Joseph thought he had it. But 14 years later, Joseph realizes he was dreaming way too small. Way too small. Way too small. God didn't want Joseph to be powerful so he could be important. He wanted Joseph to be powerful so he could save his family. Joseph was dreaming way too small. And we do the same thing. We do the same thing. We've got the pieces. Yeah, I see some things in my head. I got this idea. I'm good at this. Everybody tells me I'm really good at this. Maybe I need to do this. Like, I've got the piece. I think it's going to work out like this. We're probably going to live there. I think we'll probably have throw three kids. And, you know, how, and, you know, and I've, we've got the pieces. But, man, we're dreaming so small. Can I read you one more verse? I know I'm just reading a lot of verses. But let me just read you one more. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. This is just a glimpse of what God can do with your life. Infinitely more. 
infinitely more. We're not just talking about a better work schedule. I know third shift sucks, but God's dream for your life is way better than a better work schedule. We're not just talking about a little less sadness. No, no. God says infinitely more than you're thinking. Can I be honest? That scares me a little bit because I'm thinking big. Like when I read that, I'm like, probably not. I'm thinking pretty big. God's like, that is so cute. That is so cute. God's plans are bigger than you're planning for. God's plans are bigger than you're planning for. Here's what I'd love for you to do. Take your dream, times it by 10. Times it by 100. I did that recently, uh, a couple of uh, months ago. Because like for years, I, I had some dreams about my life. I had some dreams about the church. And I thought, man, the, the, man, if I could spend the rest of my life accomplishing that. And then I thought, well, let's times it by 10. Man, if we could ever get 1,000 people at Hope City Church, if we could ever see 1,000 people saved and baptized. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that would probably take 30 years. But, man, we could do it. And I thought, well, but what if God's thinking infinitely more? 10,000? 100,000? Man, if we could have two locations in Louisville, 20? Like now I'm getting scared. Now I'm getting scared. You'll never dream big enough for God. Never. Some of you right now, because I know, like I know you, you're, you're a planner. You're, 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 you don't want to get carried away. You don't, you know, and so you're like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but let's keep it within reason. You'll never dream too big for God. The bigger you dream, the bigger God dreams. So you're like, okay, all right, fine, Jason. Then I dream about being a billionaire. It's times about 100, Jason, so I want to be a billionaire. Now, I can't say that that's not God's dream for your life, but I can say that God will put the right desires in your heart. So if that's God's dream, he'll work it out. And he'll also, he'll get you a billion dollars, but he'll also prepare you to be able to handle a billion dollars. And that's a whole nother sermon, okay? God's dream is bigger. I, can I just give you one example? I, I, I just want to give you one example. I, I Throw the picture up of the team, uh, Debbie, for me that's down in Guatemala. So this is our team that's down in Guatemala right now. They're actually flying back today. And... Um, They've been posting a lot of pictures. I don't know if you've been following along, but they've been down there this week. And every time I saw all these pictures, I just, I was grinning because I remember uh, 10 and a half years ago, I got on a plane to go to Argentina. Our church in like our 90 year history had never been on a mission trip, ever. I get on a plane to go to Argentina. I was, by my, I was with some other pastors, but I was, nobody else was with me from the church. And I remember going to this orphanage, and then we get back on the plane to drive back, and I'm sitting there on the plane, and I was haunted by this thought. And this is crazy. You ready? God, what if we were able as a church to put together, I'm going to go crazy here, $20,000. If we could just, I mean, God, if we could just raise $20,000, 
take a trip to Argentina. Oh my goodness, God, would that not be crazy? I wrote it down. Came back, we talked about it a little bit. We raised some money. We took our very first missions trip, 19 people. Went to Argentina, started working at an orphanage down there. Ten years later, we've given away over $500,000. We've sent almost 100 people on mission trips. Rob and Melissa McGuffey, who were elders at our church, are now full-time missionaries at the orphanage in Guatemala. And here I was riding back on a plane like, you know what would be crazy $20,000. $20,000. Now we have a dream as a church to give away $10 million. And like when I think about that, I'm like, whew, that's crazy. And then I think times it by 10. Times it by 10. Infinitely more. Let me show you one more picture. Um, this is my daughter, Sadie. This is in Antigua. This is her second trip. She went on, uh, she went with me last year, and then we sent Andrea this year, and, and Sadie went with her. And so I've been posting some pictures, and Sadie's nine. She turns 10 this month. And, you know, the team being down there is pretty incredible. But as a dad, you know, I, I have dreams for my children. And I, hope, I don't know exactly what God's dreams are, but I remember as kids, we would sit in the nursery, and, and I would hold her as a baby. I was kind of a night owl, and, and Andrea uh, was tired, and so I kind of took the night shifts and would do the bottles, and, and I'd pray for her. And I remember for all my kids, but I especially, you know, that first one, I mean, you know, you're just, you know, you just pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, and, you know. And I remember sitting in her nursery in that glider chair, and I just remember over and over and over and over and over again praying, God, Will you do something so significant in her life? Something, God, that would change the world. I don't know what your plans are, God, but man, I hope that they are so big and that you would use her life to do something significant. Every night we pray together before we go to bed. God, I pray that they would do big things for God. And I want her worldview to expand and to grow. And I thought that the dream originated with me, but then I was talking to my dad one day and, I, and my dad was telling me that back when, when I was young, that my dad was, was praying that God would put a heart in me to travel the world and to do ministry and that God would put a heart into his grandchildren to do that. And, then, and, so, and so this is actually part of a dream, a second generation dream. But then my grandmother who just passed away, she told me that she had a book with all of her family written down in it. And that before I was e even born, she was praying for my kids that they would all love the Lord, serve the Lord, and spend their life making a difference for God. And so when I got the picture the other day that, that Sadie was handing out food in the village in Guatemala, I, I couldn't help but grin because I thought, God, you're doing something. You're, you're, you're doing something. And so maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I, I have this dream. Like, my, I just want to get married. That's my dream, Jason. I want to get married. No, 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 no. Come on, dream bigger. Infinitely more. God doesn't just want you to get married. He wants your great-grandchildren to do something that he has in store for them. Come on, dream bigger. Well, I just, I just, want, I just want enough money to, to be able to settle down. No, 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 come on, come on. Dream bigger, infinitely more. Infinitely more. And so here, here's what I want you to do. Um, hopefully everybody got a napkin. If not, we'll give it to you on the way out. 
But I want you to take this napkin. I'm going I'm to share mine with you on August 26. I'm going to show you what it looks like. But I want you to take this napkin. You can do it today if you want. You don't have to do it today. I want you to take this napkin, and I want you to write down or to draw out your dream. You can do it in words if you want, or you can draw out a picture of it. I want you to, to write out your dream napkin. And then I, I, I want you to take it, and I want you to put it somewhere that, uh, that it'll stare you in the face. And, you know, if you're dreaming right, you'll probably want to hide it from other people because <laughs> you'll feel silly. But put it somewhere where it stares you. Tape it to the mirror, you know, desk. I don't know, dashboard of your car. I'm not sure. And every time you look at it, here's the prayer. I wrote this down, and I've been trying to practice this for my life. Very simple prayer. God, I give you my hopes and my dreams. God, I give you my hopes and my dreams. God, these are my dreams. I hope they're your dreams. If they're not, give me new desires. But God, I give you my hopes and my dreams. You say, well, Jason, I, some of y'all are like just nervous right now. What if I get it wrong? God will work it out. God's dreams will all make, always make God look good. And God's dreams will always require or be a part of helping other people. So make, make sure it's not selfish, but... Even if our desires and our purpose and our own heart are wrong, God will work it out. So write it down. There is no wrong answer, by the way. Write it down. Put it somewhere you can see it. This is your dream napkin. And let it stare you in the face. And every time you see it, God, I give you my hopes and my dreams. My prayer for you is that you would dream bigger. If you're in here and you're like, Jason, I'm like, I'm on the back half of my life. So? So what? Sarah was 99. Found out she was pregnant. I'm not praying for that for you. I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just saying, that's okay. You know, if you're breathing, God's got a dream. If you're breathing, God's got a dream. If you're in here and you're a middle school or a high school student, listen, God's got a dream for your life. Infinitely more. Let's pray.